All right, and welcome to another episode of Man Code 2.0. I'm Kit McCarran. I'm Mark Schindler. And here we are to talk about all the things that guys don't usually talk about. Breaking the silence. Something like that. <laughs> At least trying to do our part in society. Attempting. We're, uh, you know, I I hear a lot. Well, my uh, fiance had me read a book. Uh, not a book, a play. Uh, I don't usually read plays. Apparently she reads plays and scripts all the time. She's just fancier than I am, I guess. And um, the play depicts a teenage girl in high school uh, undergoing a home abortion. and Like self-home abortion or somebody else doing it? She was taking the uh, abortion pills. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and it was really intense. And she actually had me read it just to demonstrate female relationships and how hmm. it can be about power struggle. She framed it in that uh, for men, um, traditionally masculine traits are very overt. You have big muscles or you're, you're tall or you wear fancy things and do fancy stuff because you have a lot of money. Whereas uh, female power is more implicit in terms of relationships and um, I don't know. She, she was trying to suppose that in order to establish dominance or power that females needed to be more uh, assertive in their friendships and be more she she tried to suppose well didn't try to she she, she supposed did. to me <laughs> <laughs> that uh, there's a lot of power struggle and in the play there was this one point where uh, one of the lead girls was really mean to the other one anyways this this play was really uh, intense and even at the end I was like can you sit here and hold my hand because this is really dark she thought it was hilarious because to her it's just like mm, yep that's how girl relationships are that's the kind of thing that girls have to deal with and that was mildly horrifying to me <laughs> I don't remember what the point of was, me telling these I story don't know. was I was going to ask you do you even know what the play was called uh no no I don't <laughs> uh, I well we'll find something probably get in <laughs> we'll trouble find. for that not remembering the name of the play? Yeah. Oh. I feel like it's an important thing. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but it was about these girls on the swim team, and uh, one of them just gets knocked up and has to have a home abortion. I'm sure if I Google those keywords, I can find it eventually. Sure. Surely. <laughs> well, I watched this video. Um, I subscribed to various channels on YouTube. As and, do we all. Uh, yes. But one of them is uh, the YouTuber Matthew Santaro, who does a lot of kind of like, edu I would call it edutainment type of videos, more educational and entertaining. Um, he also has a side channel that's a vlog. And as I was, you know, scrolling through my feed of subscribed videos that, you know, things were just uploaded, um, I came across a video that was called, I think it was called My Abuse Story. And I was like, you oh, know, okay, this is kind of, out of the ordinary for him in his videos. So I click and watch it and he's basically telling his story about how he was in an abusive relationship, kept quiet about it, um, and decided he needed to record this video. It was personal for him at first. It wasn't going to be public. It accident quote accidentally got public. I don't know if that's really true or what. Um, and then he decided to keep it public. And basically he, you know, is talking about, 
how he was in an abusive relationship and how he kept quiet about it for so long because there was this whole stigma of uh, men aren't in, you know, typically men aren't in abusive relationships, whether they're, it's an emotional abuse or physical abuse. And, and there's that stigma of like, you know, guys just need to be strong about it. And that's why they can't be in abusive relationships and, and how that shouldn't be. And we need to be able to talk about those things. And if you are a guy in an abusive relationship that you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself to talk about it. Right. And, uh, and it just kind of got me, it was very, it was very emotional. Like I literally cried when I watched this video, hmm. um, just because it was very moving to me, you know, he was in tears and everything, but all aside, like, you know, the whole internet and, and people on YouTube, I just thought the content of what he was saying, you know, he was really stressing that abuse knows no gender, which just really like was very profound to me. Like that is a hundred percent true. And we don't talk about that. Yeah, I totally agree. There was an interesting video uh, that I saw of a social experiment kind of thing where they had two actors, a man and a woman, and they were out in public in a park or something, and um, they portrayed two different situations and filmed it, of course. Mm -hmm. And one of the situations is that the woman is angry with the man and starts like hitting him with her bag and... Uh, shouting at him and being really angry and physically um, intense. Mm -hmm. And the people around them were smiling and laughing. Oh, and isn't that like, cute? Right. Oh, yeah. Pointing and kind of laughing at it. Um, and then there was an alternate situation where there was a man um, yelling at his supposed girlfriend, I guess other actors, of course, but, mm -hmm. and he, he got physical as well. And people, stopped them like two seconds i'm sure they were like on it right yeah this is unacceptable you can't do this and i thought that was really interesting mm -hmm. it's the same kind of point that oh, yeah uh, males being abused in relationships is essentially invisible because it's assumed that the man if they wanted to could stop it at any time and while in some cases that's physically true um, and not all cases. Right. There are a lot of very strong women out there. Yes, there are. And it may not be the case that the man can always overpower the woman. Regardless of that, there's the relationship point of it, the emotional aspects of it. If you're being hurt by someone who you love and you don't feel like there's anyone you can talk to about it, if there's no safe space then you just hurt on your own and mm -hmm. there's there's no way to get out of it. But people just need to remember if you are in that situation, you might not feel like you have anybody in your life, you know, friends, family, coworkers, or anyone to talk to, but there are, you know, resources, hotlines, you know, of, of quote strangers that you can at least get those feelings out and talk to that way. Um to help you get through through it absolutely and also i think you might be surprised people who really care about you i mean if you talk about it i'm sure there's somebody who understands the situation and you're in and uh wants to help yeah and if they're not they're not really your friend yeah if, if you that. tell someone <laughs> that you're being hurt and abused and they laugh at you 
you need to maybe not be around that person so yeah, much. Definitely. I mean, that's in a way you're you're gonna find out who your true friends are, who your closest family members will be. Yeah, um, but that's not easy to do. It's not an easy subject to talk about at all, much less to um, put yourself out there to be hurt. Yeah, and we know that you can't just brush that off and be like, oh, well, that person's a jerk. This is really difficult, and it can be hurtful to be treated like that. Right, and it's, and I know that there are women that feel the exact same way. It's not just, you know, it's men and women. Anybody that's in, a, in an abusive relationship has the, usually has that feeling of they can't talk to mm-hmm. somebody. They can't tell anybody. Right. Um, but I know, I'm sure men that have been and that or that are feel like they can't because that's just not a manly thing to do. Yeah, and abuse can come in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um. It's interesting that if you read stories about um, adult men um, raping young girls, underage girls, it's called rape. They raped them. Right. Period. But if you read stories about adult women with younger men, underage men, they usually will write it as had sex with. Interesting. I never really thought about that. I never really, I guess I never paid attention. Yeah. And it's one of those subtle things that you don't really think about. Uh, That wasn't sex. That was rape. And there are lots of people out there, lots of men out there, who have had really traumatizing experiences Mm -hmm. at the hands of older women. And it's kind of like, uh, I think there was a South Park episode. Uh, The quote tends to be, dude, nice. And that's the attitude that a lot of people have towards uh, younger men having sex with older women, being raped by older women. Right. When you when you see the the news story of the uh, the high school kid that you know ends up having a relationship and sex or whatever, or has the one time sex with their teacher, right, or whatever, that was probably manipulated for sure. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it was rape. Not essentially. It, it is rape. Just straight up it's is rape. straight up rape. Then. It's the, oh, why didn't I have that t-shirt when I was in school? Or, you know, it's not like, oh, my God, this is a horrible thing. I'm sure, you know, yes, there are people that say that because it is. Mm. But there are always people who will say, dude, nice. Which is really awful for someone who's feeling hurt and feeling alone and Mm -hmm. feeling like they already are hesitant to talk about this. Not only that, but people don't even believe that they could have had a negative experience and what what is that like i mean i'm sure what like i've said many times before something i love about feminism is just bringing about dialogue that these things are okay to talk about i would be surprised if i could find someone who would suppose that uh being raped would be a positive or um not important incident for a woman I would be really surprised if anyone would say that. Uh, I don't, yeah, I'd, so would I. I just don't feel like anyone would. Right, but I feel like it would be really easy to find someone who would say it's not a big deal for a man, which mm. it absolutely is. It's hard to talk about, but I was actually sexually assaulted once by a man, no less. Um, while I was studying abroad in Spain, it happened in the middle of the night and it came by surprise and it was really disorienting and it makes you feel unsafe 
mm-hmm. and kind of uh, uncomfortable with yourself. It's it's hard to describe, but uh, you you can't really talk about it much. And for people to say, you know, in a literal way, dude, nice, that sucks. Oh yeah, it's extremely hurtful, and it's just it's disrespectful. It's hurtful. The you know everybody's looking out for themselves, and so I can understand if it doesn't fit in your worldview of this is a possibility or. If you have a sense of structure that um, all bad things happen to women or children, um, then it doesn't fit a narrative that you believe about yourself or the world around you. And so to go against that in a certain way kind of goes against you. So there are people who will defend what we think are fairly awful things just because it's a part of their worldview. And they can't see outside of it. So I have a question and you don't have, we can like stop and like edit it out and you don't even have to add, but I had, I have a question about regarding your experience. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were sexually assaulted, Mm -hmm. were you afraid to say anything to anyone in fear that people wouldn't believe you because quote guys don't get raped? Yeah, that, that was a thing. And I didn't say anything to anybody while I was in Spain because it's kind of humiliating mm-hmm. because, you know, guys are supposed to be strong and be able to defend themselves. And so to be caught off guard and to to be put in a situation against your will seems, I don't know, unmanly. It seems like you shouldn't... When you're not in power... It's, quote, not manly because women are not powerful, typically is what, you know, people view it as. Right, yeah. That you're not respected because it's not powerful. It's not um, fitting the role that you are supposed to play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how much of that is just in my head? I didn't say anything to anyone, so I don't know for sure what they would have said. Right. And maybe I should have said something, but part of the experience is that it just feels dirty and uh, uncomfortable and you want to just get rid of it. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to go through it in my head. I don't want to have to talk about it. It's easier to just put it in a box and just throw it away. Right, right. Unfortunately, your brain doesn't really no. work that way. It gets put on a box, and the best you can do is to put it on a desk next to you, and it's still there. But that's why we have psychologists and therapists and important people who know how to deal with these things and can assist you with that. And it's easy to say, well, that also doesn't fit in a narrative of men being able to take care of themselves. Mm. So why should I go to someone else to take care of uh, my, you know, something that happened to me a while ago. I can deal with it. Okay, well, if you break your arm, who do you go to? A doctor. You know why? Because they know how to fix it. And when your mind's messed up and broken, you go to somebody that can help fix it. Yep. Uh, I hate to break it to everybody out there, but uh, most of us don't really know how our brains work. 
And so having a professional to help you with that, to understand it and to help you understand yourself is really important. One of the main things I like about when I was in therapy and stuff like that was not just the fact that there was somebody I could go to because they knew how to help me, but the fact that it was somebody that would give me an unbiased opinion or thought because when you can, it's great. You talk to your friends, you talk to your family. Sure. But they're your friends and family. So, you know, they, they know you in a different way. You know, they might be a part of the situation. So you're not going to get, I mean, they might be completely honest, but it's going to be skewed in a way. Whereas your, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist or whoever, an actual professional, um, you're just their patient, which is, they're there to comfort you, which is great, but you're also their patient and they aren't involved in the situation at all. Yeah. And they're licensed and they have an oath to mm -hmm. maintain your health and it's their job to help you be healthy. It's their job to help you feel better. And it's their job to be that they're, they have that patient doctor confidentiality too. So you, you know, you can say anything and it's hard at first, Very. but once you get in that relationship with your therapist where you can just say whatever, because you know, they're not going to say anything because they can't, it's against the law. Right. Um, it, it just makes it even better. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point because something that's dangerous sometimes about talking to friends or other people is you don't know who they're going to tell. Mm -hmm. And that can be scary with someone that you may not trust 100% who maybe isn't your spouse, who maybe isn't, you know. It's it's hard to know how information travels. And if it's something that you're worried that other people will judge you about or maybe no other people would judge you about, mm -hmm. let's say that, um, I don't know, you had a bad breakup in a homosexual relationship and you have a really religious, um, I don't know, aunt and uncle who you know are super anti-gay. If they don't already know about uh, your orientation, then it may be really destructive to your relationship with them if they learn about it. Mm -hmm. And so it can be dangerous to let information out. And even just, uh, or when you're, I'm sure if when you're in an abusive relationship mm. and you, you know, yes, it is good to tell somebody about that situation, but when you're talking to a professional, it's, it's kept under wraps. Whereas, like you said, you don't know how information travels can, you know, you might feel that it might make the situation worse. Right. Well, um, since we're talking about, uh, men and relationships, I think uh, something that I've experienced recently with my fiance is that we have different needs. Imagine that. <laughs> Not that that's a surprise or anything, but um, you have different needs in a lot of ways. You have different needs for communication. Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, Maria needs uh, space to cool down after she's gotten upset. She needs time before she feels comfortable talking about something difficult, which is 
totally fine. And I tend to want to talk about it immediately to let's work this out. And so it takes time to work out how to communicate best with each other. And it can feel really nice once you work out that timing and, and figure it out together. And uh, another different thing is you have different needs as far as attraction. And this is a complicated thing. Um, you know, I, I think this is, this is totally off topic from where we started from. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I feel like it's uh, difficult sometimes for men and women to understand each other's uh, intimacy needs. Um, I think it may be difficult for some women to accept or understand how men are visually stimulated. Mm -hmm. And I think it may be difficult to understand uh, for men how women are very relationally, emotionally, um, situationally stimulated. And that's something I've come across with Maria. And, it, you know, it just takes time and effort on everybody's part to try stuff out and, and see how it works for you. And it's that whole just being open to communication, which I can tell you right now, I suck at that oh, <laughs> in my relationship. Yeah. I've gotten a ton better, I think. But, you know, in a way where I'm like Maria, where if Jen and I get in an argument about something or something upsets me, I need that cool down time to gather my thoughts, to calm down so that I don't say anything stupid mm. um, and just kind of collect myself to come back to it later, which is good, but has also been bad because I'll tend to do that, come back to it later, but sometimes later doesn't come. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> until the situation comes back again. Right. Yeah, right. and then I'm like, fuck. Upset, I, I got to cool down again, right. and then here we go. Um, but Jen likes to get to it. You know, let's hash it out now. Mm -hmm. um, and and we've kind of decided, and we've been working on. You know, when we, that does happen, to meet in the middle. I'll cool down a little bit to the point where we can then pretty much talk about it. And, and the cool down time is not as much. I kind of work my way so that I can deal with a little bit, and then kind of go into the conversation or the rest of the argument or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's tough to figure out that timing of when everybody's present and not like emotionally overwhelmed and able to talk about things in a reasonable way. But, um, you know, I've been reading this book. Uh, God, I'm not going to remember the details. It's like how to, it's a psychology thing, how to help your client reach their aha moment. And it's really interesting that the author talks a lot about your emotional brain and how it's kind of a wholly different system from your intellectual brain. You know, there's the limbic system, but uh, we think it's more complicated in its relationship in terms of functioning with some lower parts of the brain, but it doesn't matter. Uh, there, uh, Your frontal lobe is where most of your reasoning happening happens. There was... Uh, this guy, the curious case of Phineas Gage, he was this dude in, I don't know, late 1800s or something that he had a pole that somehow got put what? through his brain and he lived. 
And so they removed the pole and his whole personality changed. He became a different person and he became really angry and short-tempered and kind of unreasonable. And it's because parts of his frontal lobe were damaged and he couldn't literally was incapable of doing these things. And so this is in the 1800s. Yeah. Or I feel like that's pretty impressive for the time. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, as far as him, you know, them getting the pole out and him living during that time, I feel like that's pretty impressive. It is. (laughs) Well, I mean, understanding the brain there, there doesn't seem to have been damage to like his, his motor control, his speech, it was just kind of a miraculous mm-hmm. placement of this pole, and he, I guess, didn't bleed out. I don't know. Crazy. I guess he lost an eye and wear an eye patch or something. Well, and now he's just cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> they didn't think he was so cool. He turned into kind of a dick, but um, I, it's it's important to me, at least, in terms of understanding that your brain does stuff. You know, there are different regions of your brain that do very specific things. Not that I understand fully how it all works together, et cetera, et cetera. But um, my point was uh, there are emotional centers of your brain which can overwhelm the intellectual centers of your brain. So, and and when you're a, a tiny infant, like um, like little Grayson has been for the past year. He's a toddler now. Okay, okay. <laughs> for the past year and a half, um, Grayson doesn't really talk. Uh, he doesn't speak English. Um, and he also doesn't really understand much English. Well, he's got a lot better, actually. It's the past couple months have been just kind of astounding as far as the more words that he's been getting. He mm. under, he doesn't talk nearly as much. His vocabulary isn't very much. He mm-hmm. does understand when I say do this or you know get this. Okay. So there is more of that. That's good. But the past few months, like it's babies are weird. Like it just. All of a sudden, they decide they're going to do all these crazy things, uh-huh. right? Um, yeah. But yeah, no, like kids, they don't really know. Yeah, and that's awesome that he's learned those things. But for the most part, a lot of his experience is really uh, sensory mm-hmm. and emotional. Yeah. He experiences stuff, but he can't translate all of it. And so that's also what happens to us when we get really stressed out or we get really alarmed or... or really excited sometimes our emotional centers just kind of that's all your brain's doing and sometimes we don't remember things very accurately and a lot of times we experience things very physically and that's just your brain uh, resorting to its original state kind of and so the reason I'm bringing this up is that when we get really overwhelmed when you're in that state where mm-hmm. you need to settle down you, you know, your body's going into a, a really a full reaction and it's very physical. It's not intellectual. Right. And so, of course, you need to cool down because you're not going to really think through all the things. And, and, and I've brought this up before and actually that might have been our last conversation. I don't know why I have trouble getting over these uh, feelings mm-hmm. and when I intellectually know a thing. That's because it is literally a feeling and not like a, a thought. Right, and there are times where I feel that way, and and I can't describe it because I'm not the best with feelings. But when I have that literal feeling, like, and I can't talk about whatever it is I need to talk about in that moment, I get very angry because, like, I've seen Grayson when he wants to try to express himself or want to do something, and he can't physically tell me what it is, he gets mad. 
mm-hmm. and you know is grunts and cr- you know screams or whatever because he's frustrated mm-hmm. and that's exactly how I get when I'm in that in a situation where you know I can't express what I need to express because my brain is just too overwhelmed right now yeah absolutely and I get that way sometimes at work <laughs> when something really absurd or stupid or aggravating happens and I'm like I can't believe this. why would you what why what? Ah! <laughs> or my favorite in my office I'm like god damn it motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep and I start having really uh, intense reactions and not really thinking through everything and sometimes I have to later go be like hey sorry about that uh, yeah and be like oh, I understand which is really nice, but you may say I understand, but it also is not great for relationships. No, but it's good that you know what you're doing and you're like, you know what? I was a real asshole. Right. I'm going to go apologize for that. Yeah. And that can be hard to do because it's admitting that you made a mistake and it's admitting that you're sometimes weak and need to mend relationships and uh, let go of a little bit of power and pride. And sometimes that's hard for people, like my boss. (laughs) And sometimes men don't feel like they can do that because it's not going to be very manly to to apologize. Right. You know? Absolutely. This is like two podcasts in one. Kind of, yeah. Twofer. We're going to call this episode Twofer. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Speaking of twofers... I would like to thank my balls for supporting me in my efforts. <laughs> Producing come on demand. I don't have balls or come. <laughs> but I bought some off the internet and that's how I got the baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the the future is coming. Oh. Ah. I um I'll never forget when I <laughs> I know we normally do our thank yous here, but I have to tell you this story. All right. When um years ago when when Jen and I initially started to uh, talk about having a family and starting children, having children and stuff, and this was before I even transitioned, um, we were at dinner with my parents. They were visiting, and we were talking to them about it. And I was like, "Oh yeah, you can go online and look through profiles, and then you just buy the sperm, this, the vials online." And my mom, <laughs> who's just hilarious, decides to say very loudly in her awesome Japanese accent. What? You can buy sperm on the internet? Really loud for everyone to hear, and it was the best. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like it should be a scene from Avenue Q or something. Brian! We get sperm from the internet! 